The following podcast was recorded in the Spiritual Center, which sits on the traditional, unceded territory of the Chianu First Nation. Hello again, I'm Brian Guerin, Director of Communications at uh, Pearson College, UWC, and this is latest in a series of Pearson podcasts. My guest is Jeremiah Calachesi. He's a year 49, a first-year student from Guyana. So welcome, Jeremiah. Thanks for taking some time to, to talk to us. Jeremiah, I just wanted to start off, I guess. Um, you're a first-year student. You've only been on campus for a few months. How's your experience been at Pearson, not just academically, but activity-wise and things like that? It's been something different, um, especially coming from my last school, where everything was um, a bit, I'd say, more structured and as an XYZ was planned out for you already. Here at Pearson, there's a lot of freedom uh, to organize your day a bit how you want, especially after school. So um, that makes with the fact that um, I'm now in a boarding school for the first time ever. I'm now so far away from my parents um, for such a long time for the first time ever. I think it, it has been an interesting experience. I've loved it so far. Uh, just taught me a lot of things, a lot of responsibility. Um, there's no one to tell me to do my laundry anymore. So it's, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely an interesting experience and one that I'll cherish forever. A lot of freedom can be a challenging thing for a lot of young people. <laughs> uh, you were involved in uh, Afro-Carib Day, yeah. Regional Day. Yeah. Eh? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, it was very fun organizing it, um, especially since I didn't get to um, do as many dances as I wanted in the Regional Day before that Latin Carib Regional Day. This Regional Day, I, I sort of jumped in there a, a lot more. I held my own dance at Jitaguriro. Um, and people liked it, and the dances I was in as well, people loved. It was fun preparing, it was fun practicing with everyone. But I must say it was also a tad bit um, stressful, you know, mixing that with, of course, academic life. But overall, it was amazing. I'm just happy that it came off really well and that you didn't have a power failure <laughs> for, for that event. Well, before you came to Pearson, uh, you were involved in an initiative that promotes and supports the rights of children and young people. So, first of all, what prompted you to take a special interest in the rights of young people? Um, as corny as it may sound, um, it was definitely my experience with the coronavirus. Uh, during, the, during the lockdown phase of everything, when lockdown finally came to um, a small country of Guyana, I looked at the, the things I had, and they weren't much at first, even some teachers weren't coming to class uh, because it was online, some students weren't coming to class because it was online, and I realized that even though I had this little, there were those who had less than me around the world. So it really encouraged me to, um, to look into what I can do to further the, the experiences of children worldwide, whether that be through education, through, through um, the, making them knowledgeable about their rights as children and, 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 and as adolescents. That, of course, um, led me to the Korean Network one time. Well, I was part of this other program uh, with the Ministry of Human Services and Social Security, the Young Influencers Program. And the Minister of Human Services and Social Security, Dr. Vindya uh, Prasad, she posted this um, this opportunity in the group chat that asked who wanted to who wanted to sign up. Of course, I, I jumped on the opportunity, and you know, the rest is in history. Yeah, yeah, we're we're talking about this because you were a key speaker at a recent global affairs session here on campus, um, and it focused on the work of the Inter-American Institute for the Rights of Children and Adolescents, so it's known as IIN. So, and that's an initiative, I believe, supported by the Organization of American States. Can you tell us a little bit about the institution and its mandate? 
The institution is one that its main mandate is to ensure that the rights of children around the Americas are, are properly observed and any violations of these rights are, are punished through the um, international human, human rights system of um, to the international human rights legal mm-hmm. system. A lot of the work they have to do with me is about awareness, that's the word, awareness on children's rights, um, mainly for adolescents themselves, because we find that in quite a few third world countries, people aren't knowledgeable about their rights in general, and much less the children within these countries. We, we often don't have a say in what happens to us or the, or the laws that affect us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it basically comes down to nothing about us, you know, without us. So it, it's a way of involving children's voices, children and young people's voices in decision-making and influencing policy. And just uh, very quickly as a, as a reminder to, to our uh, listeners, I'll just uh, let people know that uh, they can access that Global Affairs session and other Global Affairs sessions. Just go to the publications page of our website, pearsoncollege.ca, and um, click on the January edition for this particular session of Pearson E-News. You, you touched upon it a little bit now, Jeremiah, but tell us specifically about your role with the Institute and specifically something that's called the Children and Adolescent Correspondence Network, and that's the Korea um, network that you, you referred to earlier. Yep. As a child and adolescent respondent within the Korea network, it was one, my main mandate was to raise awareness about, um, about children's rights within my country and to further interact with countries with the different uh, correspondents from around the Caribbean, around the Americas, to, um, to discuss where my country in particular was lacking and how we could work together to improve the situation of children's rights within the Americas. Um, and how we normally do this is that we usually get sent as groups to um, these various conferences and workshops that mm-hmm. include various high-level authorities within the Americas. And we talk about uh, specific, either specific legislation or specific um, processes and how we can improve them. One I could think of off the top of my head was the workshop we did on the OPEC, the Optional Protocol for International Communication. Um, I attended that one with my, my co-correspondent from Guyana, Sarah and Dan Raj. And we spoke with um, some, some children and adults from all around America. So I believe Uruguay, someone from Uruguay was there, Mexico, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of the things that, a lot of the questions, a, a lot of things we learned that day and a lot of the questions we asked that day were things that they never thought of without the, um, without the input of, of children our age. A lot of the questions we asked there uh, went unanswered and they said that they would think about it afterwards. So those are the kind of things we do. We, we learn about the different processes that involve ch- children's rights within the Americas and we attend these different conferences and workshops to um, give a new and fresh perspective mm-hmm. on, um, on what can be done and what has to be done to further improve. In your view, and I mean, this may be a bit of an unfair question, but um, you know, can you see that this is having an impact on policymakers and politicians and governments in Central America and, around, and across the Americas? Yeah, I, I 100% believe it's having an, uh, an impact. The workshop we attended for the Optional Protocol of International, uh, International Communication, usually what people expect is that we go to these conferences, yeah, they'd, they'd allow us to sit there, but we, we usually wouldn't say anything. But... In my experience with the Korean network, anything we said was taken into consideration. They noted it down. They said that they'll get back to us on it, and they generally um, tried their best to, to to work on that specific concern. Uh, another experience I I can say I've had was the high level 
uh, conference for the rights of children within the Caribbean. Um, I believe uh, during that particular conference, we were working on how to improve communication between member states. Mm -hmm. I made a suggestion for um, member states to have a sort of a partnering system so they could keep each other accountable. And as soon as I brought it up, as soon as I put it in the, um, in the shared document, we started discussing it, how it would be possible, how it would be feasible, etc. So I can say that it does make a difference. It 100% makes a difference, and it's something good for the Americas. Well, it's pretty positive to hear that kind of that kind of uh, thinking is being implemented, and I like that specific example about you know making uh, jurisdictions, countries accountable for it to each other. Uh, pretty pretty interesting stuff. Now, you um, you also contributed to I guess essentially what is an annual report by the Korea Network, and um, I, I I found that a very interesting report because it. It really looked like um, it was created with a way of encouraging young people to use whatever means they wished they were most comfortable with to get their message across. So there were some written articles like, like yours, but there were also some video presentations as well, which were equally impactful and meaningful. So maybe tell us a little bit about that report and, uh, and your involvement in that. Yep. The, the Korean no no Notebook, I believe it's called, it was... So something that even I found shocking, I found interesting, when they asked me to write that article, I was like, I'm supposed to write an article that's going to get published somewhere. But yeah, it's, it's one that brings together all our ideas from across the, across the Caribbean, across the Americas into one document. And I find that particularly impactful in that a lot of the time, because we are, we are children, we are adults with such different busy schedules, maybe only a few of us would be able to attend a certain event or a few of us would be able to attend a certain meeting. Mm -hmm. With this notebook, we can all gather either at the start or the end of the end of the year or by bi yearly to put our, our thoughts on the state of human rights and children's rights within our countries into one document so that we could further share it with the rest of the world and the rest of the world can hear all of our stories um, one after the other. So it's a very useful document and I believe that it's uh, extremely impactful and helpful towards mm -hmm. the situation for rights of children in the Americas. Is it a document that reaches, again, policymakers, politicians, or is it uh, intended for a wider audience than that? For example, the general population of a country that in which the rights of children and adolescents may not be the first thing on their minds. It's a document meant for any and everyone. Yeah. Um, of course, some government officials might read it, etc. But I believe this document was made to inform any and everyone about the rights of children. Um, as I said at the start of the podcast, often what happens in, in these third world American countries uh, is that the general population don't know that such a concept of children's rights exists. Um, in fact, in some of the countries, the concept of human rights is something that seems a bit far off for them. Right. So for them, just having this, this document that outlines the, the, some of the processes and some of the steps we're taking towards improving children's rights. It's good for awareness. It's always good to, um, for letting the people, the population of a country know uh, what's going on within their country and what's going on within, the, within their neighboring states. And again, just for, for listeners, um, I think that people would be able to go to www.iin.oeg.org as a starting point to see some of these, these reports. Because uh, they've been produced for a number of years now, it looks like. So, kind of a broad question, uh, but do you have ideas on how people, how young people specifically, who may or may not have access to supporting organizations or mentors, such as this network, 
can take action in their home countries to support rights for children and adolescents? I know that's well, really yeah. bad. <laughs> um, there, there are many answers to it, but I'd say number one, awareness. Um, one of the things I realize is that you don't notice a lot of, um, let's say, the violations to children's rights around you until you're aware of them. So mm -hmm. if you can speak with your friends, speak with your teachers, speak with your parents about these, um, these various rights and, and discuss with them the situation within your country, within your family, within your school, within your home, that in and of itself is something very, very big. And advocating within government and lobbying your various governments is something you could also look into doing. But of course, that's not always possible in, in some of these countries. It can be quite dangerous. But I'd say that the safest, your safest bet is always talking to some, someone about it. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be uh, Minister of XYZ. It, it might just be your best friend you talk to at school, your friend group, or you're sitting at lunch and you see a stranger, you know, talk to them about it, have interesting conversations. And what I find is that when we start having these interesting conversations, we realize either how far ahead we've gone from before or how far we can go. And, you know, discussing these things among ourselves is not only beneficial to the rights of children within our countries, but it's also something I'd say is fun. At least I find <laughs> it's um, very fun to hear everyone's opinions on certain matters and, and see how they think we can improve um, the rights of children within the Americas. That's a solid message, uh, you know, speak up. Speak up and talk about it, and it doesn't matter who you talk talk to about it. Just get the conversation going. It sounds very Pearson-like. No wonder you're here. <laughs> Listen, we, we need to wrap this up, uh, Jeremiah, but I do want to ask you, even though it's still, you know, you're barely through halfway of your first year, you know, have you thought about what you'd like to do beyond Pearson? Not just education-wise, but, you know, life-wise. Yeah, um, beyond Pearson, of course, I want to go to university. Um, I think of studying law, uh, particularly either international trade law or aviation and aerospace law. And after that, I, I hope to work as a lawyer for a number of years before maybe getting into politics. But of course, that, that last one is a bit iffy, um, depending <laughs> on what happens in the future. Well, it, it all sounds pretty ambitious, I have to say. So, uh, Jeremiah, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And um, Hey, best of luck for the rest of the year, and um, best of luck with continued involvement with the uh, Children's and Adolescent Network, Correspondence Network as well. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. If you would like to learn more about what we do at Pearson, visit our website at www.pearsoncollege.ca. You can also subscribe to Pearson E! News and keep an eye on our social media pages for the latest updates.